This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. shall my words be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The gospel message of Jesus Christ has the power to transform lives. It has transformed transformed your life and has transformed my life. It doesn't require a degree or special training to share the gospel. All too often, we make excuses to get out of this calling. Deep down, we may be afraid of rejection, or maybe we're genuinely afraid of just saying something wrong and misleading someone. As Pastor Eddie will explain in today's message, those obstacles are all put in place by Satan. If you just simply tell people what God has done in your life, that's enough. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Power of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. to send a man to the moon. We can't go across the street to meet our neighbors. It's the paradox of our time. But here, it says, how can they hear without a preacher? The word preacher, preach, is the word caruso. It's not someone who's ordained or someone who went to seminary or Bible college. Every single one of us here who believes in Jesus Christ, we are called to preach. We are preachers of the gospel And that's how it is. The church somehow got it backwards because they don't study the word, is obviously. But every single one of you that believes in Jesus Christ, you are called to preach. You're preachers. You're Caruso. You you herald the the message as a a man would herald the message in the village. You preach out there, and I always always give you the illustration. You preach out there. You, you you, You preach, which is proclaim out there. Then in here, we teach. You proclaim out there, and we explain here. That's the way it is. Preach, proclaim. That is your job. Don't get me wrong. You say, what about you, pastors? I'm only one man. The Bible never says, oh, all the leaders, the pastors, bishops, deacons, you are to preach the gospel. No, it's everyone preaching the gospel. And if we proclaim and preach out there, bring them in here, we're explaining and teach them here. And that's the way it is. That's the way it is scripturally written for us. Now, there is a popular quote out there among Christian circles, and I'm pretty sure you heard it. You probably got it social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. Somebody put a little nice little Christianese uh, phrase there. And you heard this before. It says, your life may be the only Bible some people read. Here's another, another way to put it. Be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some person ever reads. 
Now, we know that action may speak louder than words. However, the scripture is very clear that there is no communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ until words are spoken. Words need to be spoken. Yes, we are to set an example. Yes, we are to have a good testimony and act like Christians. However, people do not get saved by the way you act, by experiences and by testimonies. I've been to some Christian events where testimonies. I've been to a concert. One guy did some really magical trick, and there was nothing scriptural, but it was really fascinating, very entertaining. Then he gave an altar call. What am I giving an altar call for? Know how to disappear and reappear? No gospel. There should be evidence that you're a Christian. However, let me give you an illustration of how that looks. If you think, oh, I'm going to get people saved by the way I act. It's the word of God. It's the gospel. For example, you go fishing. You have your bait. Do you tie up your bait and fishing on the fishing line without a hook? Yeah, it's going to really get the fish attention, and you probably won't get the worm back. But you need a hook. So yeah, it attracts the attention of the fish, this worm. But you need a hook. And so your testimony is a bait. Yes, it should bring, it should make them curious about you. You know, you're different than everyone else. And when you're going to say, hey, you want to accept Jesus Christ, Lord, a person to see you? And say, whoa, whoa. No, it's the word of God. And the hook is the gospel, right? He made us fishers of men, right? The hook is what brings them in. So we catch them. The bait, yes. The bait is, hey, why are you so happy? Dude, you're about to lose your job. You're about to lose your house. Your girlfriend left you. Why are you so happy? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's Jesus. Say, so you're crazy. I want what you have. I've been watching you. I see you pray over your meals at lunchtime. I see how you carry yourself. I see that you're kind. You're always complaining. There's something about you, and I want that. That's the bait. Then you bring the hook. Say, so you know what it is? I was a sinner. I'm, I, was, I was messed up. And you give your testimony, and that's what's so exciting about sharing the gospel. You give your testimony, and then you give the gospel, and now they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. People don't get saved by, by watching you. I share something with you that really affected me. It hit me so hard. I was in tears. I had to call another pastor. I was in tears. Because for almost two years, I had a neighbor that lived next to me. And I thought by me being nice, having good conversations, that that would lead him to ask me about Jesus when I should have been bold. That man passed away. All because I want to be nice, be relative, seeker-friendly as some churches are today. We need to share the gospel of Jesus. The New Testament church turned the world upside down without the gospel. The the New Testament was written at that time, but they turned the world upside down, right side up rather, as we say. But they need the word. People get saved by hearing the word and repentance. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. Even our Lord and Savior set, uh, set the perfect example. After Jesus was baptized, just before his earthly ministry, 
after he was baptized. When he was baptized, he went into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. What was the first thing he preached? Repentance. Repentance. That's something churches are not teaching today. They're afraid of the word blood. They're afraid of the word hell. And they're afraid of the word repentance. And that's what Jesus preached. That's what the New Testament church preached. Jesus preached repentance. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. It says from that time, speaking after his wilderness experience, being tempted by Satan, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we're followers of Christ, are we not? Four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It shows us how to be Christ-like. And the first thing Jesus teaches is, it preaches is repentance. That's what we should be preaching. And so your action as followers of Christ can lead people to be curious about your faith, but until you verbally share with them and show them through the word of God, of Christ and repentance, they're not going to be saved. They're not going to be saved. I pray they do. Maybe through someone else who's bold enough to share about Jesus. So he says, verse 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but... Also in power. So the second, the second way the gospel was revealed to them was not only in word, but also in power. It was in power. There is power in the gospel. There is power in the gospel. Now, quite often we think that we need to spice up our presentation and find special ways to share the gospel. You know, you might be discouraged after you share the gospel of Jesus. There's no respond, but you plant the seed anyway. You plant the seed anyway. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say because I want to prove a point here. There's absolutely nothing wrong with trying to find a way uh, to communicate to people, present the gospel, especially today. And I can't but help, and you heard me say this before. I I started reading the book, and in the beginning of the book, the guy was saying, you know, um, he was talking about Billy Graham, uh, uh, actually an editor. I don't know if he was Christian or not. He said, there will never be a Billy Graham because the world that made him possible no longer exists. We're talking about a time when Billy Graham shared the gospel. Yeah, he had a tent full, 16 weeks in Madison Square Garden. And literally thousands gave their lives to the Lord. But in those days, there wasn't a problem with people going to church. In those days, businesses were closed on Sundays. In those days, it was okay to bring a Bible, even a rifle, to school. In those days, there was no problem with prayer. In those days, they set the Pledge of Allegiance with God in it. Today, you say, do you believe in God? They're going to say, which God? So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong. Find a way how you could present the gospel. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, we find that with Paul and Jesus. Paul, when he went to Athens, remember Athens? They have more gods than people. There were literally more gods than there were citizens in Athens. And they made a statue or image of every god. And then they made a special one because they were afraid they might forget one god. So they labeled that one to the unknown god. They just want to cover all the bases. And Paul had to use, and he pointed to that stone, and he said, I want to talk to you about the unknown God. See, he used that. Jesus spoke in parables. So there's nothing wrong. However, 
Here's the important part. This is what I want you to take away with this. Never forget, never forget that the gospel message does not need your help. The gospel message in and of itself is powerful. It doesn't need your help. It doesn't need you to spice it up. It doesn't need you to prove God. Jesus didn't say prove who I am. God didn't say prove who I am. All of creation would testify my glory. You just preach the gospel. You just preach the gospel. That is all you need to do. The gospel does not need your help. It's the word of God. The Lord said in Isaiah 55 verse 11, it says, So shall my words be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The gospel message of Jesus Christ has the power to transform lives. It has transformed your, transformed your life and has transformed my life. And I know without a shadow of doubt, if you've been in the body of Christ for some time, you have heard some incredible testimonies. Satanist priests coming to Christ, homosexuals coming to Christ, murderers in jail, the son of Sam, come to Christ and giving the Bible in the, in, in the cell. And if there's anyone in the Old Testament that anybody would have asked, Peter, Paul, all the apostles during the time of Saul, says, who do you think would be the last person who would give their life to Christ? It'll be Paul. He was a terrorist. He was a terrorist. And so think about that. Never underestimate the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are incredible people that have testimonies unbelievable. And sometimes I wish, I, was, I remember growing up in church, I said, man, I wish I had a testimony like that. You know, this guy was a drug dealer. Not that I wanted to do drugs, but, you know, this guy was a mafia, <laughs> you know. And I said, man. And one time I was hearing a message from Damien Cow, and Damien Cow was talking about that very thing. And he says, you know, praise the Lord. You made it through the church. <laughs> I grew up in church. That's my testimony. I grew up in church. You know, the problem with church is that there's people. Okay. Some of you laugh, it's true. We all know, right? I, I'm laughing with you, trust me. It's a joke, but it's the truth. Anyway, Paul wrote to the church in verse, wrote in first, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he writes this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it is the what? Power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Not some of the people who believe, not only the elected, not only the few, but for everyone who believes. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And this is great because sometimes we think we need to be eloquent, we need to be smart. But look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the gospel. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Some of the churches are doing that today. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the what power of God. And this... I don't know, this should make me, this should make you excited. 
that you can share the gospel. You don't need to be smart. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Trust me. You don't need to be well-educated. You don't need a Bible degree. Just share your testimony. Share your BC days before Christ and share how Christ changed your life. And memorize scripture, learn scripture, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you don't need to be smart. You don't need a Bible degree. You don't have to go to seminary because the power is in the gospel. And the reason is power because the, the gospel has nothing to do with you, but everything to do about Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? The church of Thessalonians, they transformed by the power of the gospel. They heard the gospel by the power of the gospel. The gospel message worked in their lives as it has with every single one of us. The power of the gospel has worked supernaturally in them by producing conviction of sin. That's what it does. Repentance and conversion. That is the order. Conviction of sin, repentance, and conversion. This is how you were convicted by the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to that. So let's look at verse 5 again. I know we're moving. But for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and, the third one, Holy Spirit. So the gospel was revealed by the preaching. It was revealed by power and by the Holy Spirit. Now here's how the Holy Spirit works when it comes in, when it comes in reference to the gospel. It works two ways. First of all, You are the preacher of this gospel. The Holy Spirit's in you. So it's a double portion here because there's power in the gospel and you have the Holy Spirit. You have two. You have the Holy Spirit and you have the power of the gospel. So why you worry about how to share the gospel? Just share it. Just share it. You have the power, the gospel in itself is powerful, and you have the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes in us. This is how the Holy Spirit works. There's three, there's three words that you'll find in the Greek and the gospel to let you know how the Holy Spirit works. Number one, the Holy, work, the Holy Spirit works alongside you. We see that. It, the Holy Spirit works alongside every sinner, every unbeliever. It works alongside. It leads them to the cross. It brings conviction to the heart. And the Greek word, the Greek word is para. That's how the Holy Spirit is called the parakletos. We get the word para from paralegal, parallel parking, paramedic. Okay? The Holy Spirit works alongside you. That's what led you to the cross. You heard the gospel message, and it was just lingering in your brain, and it went 18 inches from your brain into your heart. Then you repent and you accepted Christ. And since the Holy Spirit was working alongside you, you received Christ. Now the Holy Spirit is in you. Alongside you, led you to the cross. Now it's in you, and the Greek word is E-N, in. The day of Pentecost, here's the third. Day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came what? Upon them, epi, for service. Okay? You need to understand that's how the Holy Spirit worked. In your life, that's how the Holy Spirit works now. Alongside you, every sinner, that's why when you pray for your, unsin- your unsafe friends and family and neighbors, you pray that the Holy Spirit bring conviction. Let them know that there's a void in their heart. Let them know there is only one way for salvation. There's only one way to heaven, that is through Jesus Christ. Then they receive Christ, and when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in us. Okay? Then the Holy Spirit upon us. So now, when we came to Christ, the Holy Spirit was in us. And, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. I love 
Romans chapter 6, verse 10, 11 is not up there, but it says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Think about it. Do you need to go to Israel, to the empty tomb, to kind of go there and ponder this? Think about this. Jesus rose on the third day. On the third day, Jesus rose. The power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Is in you. And you say, I don't feel it. Oh, how close are you with the Lord? Do you acknowledge God? Do you acknowledge the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit? He's in us. And so once the Holy Spirit's in us, secondly, again, the Holy Spirit is in the center. So Jesus said, this is what Jesus said. In John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus says, And when he comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Later on, Jesus says, he's with you, but he will be in you because Jesus has an ascended to the Father. But he said to the disciples, he's with you. He's not in you yet because I have to go up and then I send the Holy Spirit. You see, that's the way it works. And this is what happened in, in, in Acts chapter 10. You remember Peter uh, went to a Gentile home. He wasn't allowed to go to a Gentile home. He spent a night, he probably had bacon. He shouldn't have bacon, right? But nonetheless, he went to a Gentile home. Cornelius, he was a Roman centurion. He was a Gentile. And somehow, divinely, the Holy Spirit called him and told Cornelius, hey, there's a man named Peter. Go get him. And Peter shares the gospel, the first home Bible study you find in the New Testament. And what happens? All the Gentiles came to the saving knowledge of Christ. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, it says this, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so, here it is. When you, preachers, carusos, Christians, witnesses, when you share the gospel, the Holy Spirit's work that's in you is going to work through you, okay? As the Holy Spirit works in you, the preacher, the Holy Spirit now works in conviction to the hearer of the gospel, Always remember that. Keep that in the back of your head when you share the gospel. There's power in the gospel. The Holy Spirit's there. Okay, we have the word of God. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit's in you, working through you, and the Holy Spirit's working conviction on the person you're sharing the gospel to. I think that once we acknowledge the power that's in the word of God and the Holy Spirit, the more effective your witness, witnessing would be in sharing the gospel. Saints, we have something more powerful than the whole universe. Number one, we have Christ. Two, we have the Word and the Holy Spirit. And when we pray for our nation, we pray for our community. Can you imagine if you boldly share the gospel of Jesus Christ, what you can do? Praise the Lord. Fourth and finally, it's must, much assurance. Assurance. Verse five again, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Paul preached the gospel with great confidence, knowing that without a shadow of a doubt, I'm running Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 1 Thessalonians with us here on Running the Race. There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. 
If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 10 a.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry, and you'd like to know how you could partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what share will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.